And uh, I pray that we will this next year just continue to live, forget, live together and walk together with Christ and just make a difference. Amen. And I love you, church. I really do. I pray for you. And I ask you, as it did in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27, it says, brethren, pray for us. And that's my heart's desire, okay? All right, <clears throat> let's get going before my voice goes out. Uh, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we began a message about the resurrected life, and I didn't get finished at the end of that, and I thought today would be that time to bring the end of that uh, thought. But let's stand to our feet, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 18, actually verse 17, and uh, we will bring the message here this morning or this evening, to the, what the Lord may have given us concerning the home. He says in verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of, our, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is, the, is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, that you move in our hearts and lives this morning. I ask you, God, to work down deep in our hearts that we may be changed to be like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And Lord, if there's that, never a time when we need revival in our homes, it's now. God, I pray, Father, that you'll change us at home. Father, we can be something at church. We can be something else outside doing what we do. And, Lord, but at home, God, that's where the real uh, change takes place. That's where the real teaching, God, that's where the real wisdom and the real life is looked at and looked upon. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd touch our homes, revive our homes, refresh our homes, renew us. Help us to be mothers and fathers of God. Help our children to be children of God. Children of God. Father, we're needing a touch of you this morning. This morning, we pray that you do that. God, guard our lips and help my throat. Help me to preach until the end. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This whole message out of Colossians chapter 3 begins in verse 1. It's the key question. If ye, thee, if ye then be risen with Christ. It's hypothetical in that you can or you cannot, you're not. It could be yes, it could be no. If the answer to that question, if you have been risen with Christ, is yes, then everything in this chapter follows and it also ends in the home. So if you're a Christian, it's because you've been risen with Christ. Christ is in your life. Now, how do you be risen with Christ? You have to die. No one's ever risen unless you die. And we've been through this, so I'm just going to briefly go through it. You die, you die in Christ. And, any, and everybody that dies are, are buried, and so you're buried in Christ. And everyone who's buried will rise in Christ. And everyone who's risen in Christ will have an afterlife. Now, the afterlife is seen uh, there in verse one, it says, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. So you have a seeking. Verse 2, there's a setting. You set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And then there's a life, the afterlife. We see that in verse 3, a very clear and plain type of life. It's a concealed life. The Bible says, for we are 
hid in Christ, in God. And so it's a concealed life. It's taken care of. It's secure. It's a life in Christ. Will not change. But it's also a Christ life. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life. It's a certain life. It's a life that will have glory. Because we're going to have eternity, it says in verse 4 as well. Shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. So there's eternal life as well. And then we know now was there, but there's a quest of life. And then we know also that it's going to be a body change. In verse 5, your body changes. The things you do, it says this, mortify, therefore your members which are upon the earth. Your members is your body. See, your body's going to change when you become a Christian. These are the things that you no longer do anymore. Your body don't participate with these activities. We find there's not a body change, but there's a will change. Verse 8 and verse 9. But now you also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. And so we find a will change. You're not willing to do that anymore. That's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to live. That's not the way that I am anymore. I'm different because I've been risen with Christ. Not only there's a will change and a body change, there's a spirit change. Verse 9. Verse 10. Put on, put off. The Bible says, uh, verse 10 says, Now have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond free, but Christ is all in and all. Put on. On therefore as the elect of God, holy, beloved, vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, <coughs> forbearing one another, forgiving one another. For if any have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, so do you. So we find that there is a spirit change. You're going to put off these things. You're going to put on these things. There's a put in and a put out. You're going to put in uh, there in verse uh, 13 and verse, 4, verse 12 and verse 13, you put out. All those things that just mentioned there will come out of your life. You start being forgiven. You start being forbearing. You start being compassionate. You start being kind. This is after you become Christian. Now, before Christian, you're ugly, mean, hateful. Nobody likes you. You don't even like yourself. But after Christ comes into your life, everybody likes you, except the enemy, except the devil. Except those who hate doctrine and hate Christ and hate the Bible. You won't be so kind with them. But friend, when Christ is in you and comes out of you, you'll find you'll have a spirit change, a body change, a will change, and your soul will change. The Bible says in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The soul is your heart. You'll have the peace of God there. The word of Christ there in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in, in you richly. And all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll find singing. You'll find joy. You'll find praising God and worshiping. Uh, that's if Christ has been risen with you. We'll find also the quality at home or of home, verse 17. We, we didn't stop here, but we came to this last point. And so we'll start here this morning and then we'll finish it out here as well. If you've been risen with Christ, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, if you consider Christ dwelling in you this morning, you say to me, you say to God, you say to your family, I know Jesus, and I'm Christ-like, and I live for Christ, uh, then this is what you'll be in your home. And this is about a Christian home here. I call it the quality at home. Number one, here is a home's decree in verse 17. This is a decree that every Christian home 
will have. It's this. It's whatsoever you do, do the word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father for all. In other words, the creed of your home should be everything that I do and everything that I say will bring glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever mama says, whatever daddy says, whatever the children say, to each other or to them, it will all bring glory to Jesus. If you have anything to say that don't bring glory to God, then shut your mouth. Don't say nothing. Amen. That ought to be the decree from Father. As soon as you come into his home, he should say, listen, this is the decree of my home. Anything said, anything done will be all for the glory of God. And if it's not going to be that, then don't do it here and don't say it here. Amen. That's the decree of a home. It ought to be as well as giving gratitude to God for the Father by him. In other words, be grateful you have a mother. Be grateful you have a father. Be grateful you have a husband. You'll have a, you have a wife. You have children. Be grateful that you have a home. Be grateful you have food and clothes and shoes. And be grateful you have money. And be grateful that you have what God's given you. Amen. Hey, that's ought to be a decree in your home. Two things we're going to do. Number one. We're going to, what we do and say, we're going to give God uh, thanks for it. And number two, we're going to give him glory for it. That's a decree of a Christian home. It's all about God, amen, all about the Lord Jesus. Number two, is here's the home's demands. It starts in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. This is the demand of the Lord. This is not just a, a suggestion. This isn't just something that you can do or you don't have to do. I'm talking about a Christian home, not talking about a worldly home. I'm not talking about a, <coughs> a, just a home that, that has people in it. I'm talking about a Christian home. And it's this, if a wife is risen with Christ, she will be a wife that will submit herself unto her own husband as is fit in the Lord. Now, her attitude for that is in verse 17. My attitude in my home toward my husband is I will do everything for the glory of God and I will be thankful for the Lord for it. That's her attitude. If you can have an attitude like that, dear wife, you'll have an attitude of a Christian wife. An attitude at the beginning, at the end, in the middle of that your attitude toward your husband is I'm just going to give God the glory and be thankful for what he's given me. Amen. You might think he's a bomb. You might think he don't take care of you. You might think that he does this and that. You might think that he needs to improve on this. You might think that he's sharp coming in that. You might think you need a new one. You might think you need to replace them. You might think you need to get rid of them. Whatever it is today, you just need to know that the demand on your life from God as a wife is that you are to, you should, not should, but you are demanded to, that you're going to do it, amen, with an attitude with that. But then your whole attitude is an aim that you're going to have. And here's the aim. The aim is because it's the fit in the Lord. The reason why I'm going to have this attitude and the reason I'm going to submit myself to my husband is because that is fit in the Lord. That's why. It's not because of any other reason, but it's fit in the Lord. What does God want me to do as a Christian wife? How does God want me to live as a Christian life, a wife? Where does God want me to fit in in this home as a Christian wife? Because God said it's fit in the Lord that you submit yourselves to your husbands. That word fit means proper and order. God never has anything. God's never in nothing that's not proper and fit. God does everything decently and in order. 
And friend, if you're going to have a Christian home, it's going to be decent and in order. And your wife will have a demand upon her life, and that is to submit unto the Lord because it's fit unto the Lord. It's order and fit. And when you find an unsubmissive wife, you'll find an unfit home. When you find an unmiss- unsubmissive wife, you'll find a home out of order. Amen? Somebody say amen. It's true. <laughs> the Bible says very clearly today. That if you're going to have a Christian home, her aim is not to please her husband. Her aim is not to please her children. Her aim is not to have a beautiful home. Her aim is not to have a big home. Her aim is not to have a nice, neat home. Her aim is to be fit in the Lord. Whatever I can do to be fit in the Lord, and God said to, to, humble, to submit yourselves unto your husbands, and it is fit unto the Lord, you do that. Now, what does it mean tonight? Uh, to fit in the Lord it means to come up to the Lord's demands. So you say, do I have to meet the demands of my husband? No. You have to meet the demands of the Lord. You've got to come up to his demands. Your husband's demands will be low. Your husband's demands will be selfish. Your husband's demand will be weak. Your husband's demands will be shortcoming. Your husband's demand will be just something at the at the whim or something that I want this now and, and I want this later and I want it like this. The demands don't meet up to God. You as a wife must come to the place where you meet the demand of God. That's what you meet. So that's what it means to be fit under the Lord. You come to the Lord's demand. You arrive, you reach that demand. That will be your aim in your marriage. The aim in your relationship is I'm fit in the Lord. Amen. Many times we got our eyes on our husbands. Many times we got our eyes upon what they're doing and what they're not doing. And you got our eyes upon the situations and the circumstances. And we got our eyes not on him. And it's him that we're going to give an account to. It's him that we've got to give someday, one day, of the reason what we did and why we did it. And so we got to have an aim. That aim is the fit in the Lord. Number three, her actions. Her actions is to submit herself unto her husband. That means to place herself under his authority. To place herself under his authority. If your husband has to tell you, would you just listen to me? Would you just follow my instructions? Would you just please do what I ask you to do? Then you've got a problem, woman. You've got a problem, wife. You should be able to place yourself under his authority because your aim is to be fit in the Lord and your attitude is to give glory and thankfulness to him. And so you place yourself. Nobody's going to place yourself there. You place yourself there. You and your own will and ability. Say, I will place myself under the authority of my husband because that's what the Lord demands. Number two, this action is also in a way that you will set yourself under his leadership. You set yourself under his leadership. That's what it means to be submissive. It means thirdly to rank yourself under his position. Without dishonor. Without disrespect. Without deception. And without disbelief. That's what you do. You don't ever dishonor your husband. You never be deception toward your husband. Where you say you didn't do something or you did do something and you didn't. You lie. You tell others you, and you say you didn't. Friend, if you've got to live in a way of deception here, you're not fit in the Lord. If you've got to live in a way of disbelief, 
that you're not to be fit unto the Lord and you're not going to be submissive to him. You see, the worldly women of today, the wives of today who are not saved, they go against this scripture. They don't like this scripture. They say that it's, it is wrong and, and it's not what God would want. But I'm telling you, friend, if you've got a Christian home, this is the type of wife that you'll be. If you've been risen with Christ, this is the type of wife that you'll be. You'll find a husband, number two, that's risen with Christ. He'll have verse 17 as his motivation. In his home, he'll say, all that I'm going to do and all that I'm going to say is going to be for the glory of God. My motivation is everything I'm going to do and say, I'm going to be thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for the wife that God's given me. I'm thankful for the children that God's given me. I'm thankful for what God has given me in the way of a home and a job and, and what God's given me in the way of ability and capabilities. No, I'm not perfect, and no, I can't do it all, but I am thankful for what I do have. And my motivation for my house is giving God glory and being thankful to Him. But not only motivation, but His message that He must listen to from God is verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. That's a message you need to pay attention to this, this evening. Dear husband, and that means is don't be the enemy of your wife. If there's an enemy in your home, make sure, husband, you're not that enemy. Make sure that you're not the enemy today. I'm telling you, a Christian home, the father, the husband is not the enemy of the home. It means also be not bitter against them. It means don't be the attacker of the wife. You're not in the home to attack your wife. You're not in the home uh, uh, to make your wife, wife look bad or, or condescend to her or make her look like she's the villain and make, make it look like she's the one who's always the trouble and making the trouble. Friend, you're the one as in the home and be not bitter against her. It means don't attack her. Don't be the attacker of her. It means number three, don't be the breaker of your wife. Don't break your wife. Don't break her down. Don't uh, break her away. Don't break her out. I'm talking about what the Bible says about a Christian husband. The message is very clear. The word bitter means irritation or frustration. Now why? Well, I'll tell you why that God don't want you to be bitter, frustrated, and aggravated in a home. Can you imagine a home tonight that has a leader in it? A home tonight that has a head in it? Can you imagine tonight a one that had, holds a high position in the home tonight? And this is what takes place when there's fear in the home is when the authority is bitter. When the authority of the home and the home authority is the husband and he's bitter against the wife, there's fear in the home. The wife is fearful for the husband to come home. The children are fearful because when he comes home, mom and daddy yell and scream and, and uh, talk ugly to each other. The kids run and scatter, and they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Everybody's, everybody's now nervous because daddy, the authority, is bitter. This, I'm talking about a Christian home. God said, listen to the message. Be not bitter against them. We find, number two, not only is there fear in the home and the one who's in authority is, is uh, bitter, but there is ruin in the home when the leadership is irritated. When the leadership of your home is irritated, you're going to find ruin in many areas. Ruin in home life. Ruin eating at the dinner table. Ruin in having times of fellowship maybe at the park or, or maybe in the backyard or, or maybe down by the river or maybe at the beach in Galveston just walking as a family see when you're bitter you won't do those things 
You'll ruin your family's relationship. You'll ruin how a man ought to treat a woman. You'll ruin your daughters on what kind of man they are looked for when they get married. And you'll ruin your boys trying to look for a wife because you're teaching them not to get one like your mother. You run. Number two, number three, you'll find that there's not only fear and run, but there's chaos in the home when the one who holds the highest position of the home is frustrated. There's chaos. He doesn't give any directions. He doesn't give any instruction because he's aggravated. He's frustrated. And when men get frustrated, they, they kind of just lose their composure. They get quiet or they just go throw out, they just lose their mind. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go. I don't care if you come home. Just get out of my face. They just lose it, man, whenever they get frustrated and aggravated. And next thing you know, the whole place is in chaos. Mom is crying. The kids are running. Nobody's doing nothing. Daddy's mad outside now working on the car or cutting the grass. And nobody can talk to him because he don't want to talk to them. And he comes in the house and his place over there by himself. Everybody's eating over here. And they go to bed and they'll say good night. They'll say I love you. They'll say, listen, I hope you have a good day tomorrow. And there's no conversation. How was your day? Uh, because he's frustrated. It turns into chaos. Amen, Brother Larry. That's what happens. I hope the... Husband, here's the warning that God gives them. We find not only a message that's given, but we find if men hear the message, I want you to notice there's a movement. And the movement of the husband that is in a home that's been resurrected with Christ is husbands love your wives. That's his movement. So he's got a motivation, he's got a message, and a movement. Here's the movement. Lovingly provide for your wife. Lovingly. Lovingly protect your wife. Lovingly please your wife. Lovingly instruct your wife. Lovingly direct your wife. Lovingly handle your wife. Lovingly lead your wife. Understanding that she belongs to the Lord. Understanding she's been created by the Lord. She's not like you. She's not going to be like you. And she don't want to be like you. She's made different. On purpose. Thinks different. Acts different. Cries different. Wants different. Is different. And you as a husband have to love her. As Christ loved the church. Realizing she has given you from the Lord. And the answer isn't divorce. The answer isn't just another one. The answer isn't just get this over with and get out of my sight, get out of my life. The answer is husband, change. The answer is wife, change. And do what the Lord has said for a home that God dwells in. The father loves his children too, especially his daughters. Every word that you say, dear, wife, dear husband, be careful. God's listening. Dear husbands, every word you say, be careful, but every touch you have, be soft. Husbands, every deed you do, be kind. We've already preached on all this, so it's kind of redone right there. Here's where we want to really go to. Number three, 
the children that are risen with Christ. Now, if you're in here and you're a child, and you tell me you're saved, you tell me you're born again, you tell me that Jesus Christ has saved you and you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, I'm fixing to identify you. If you're not identifiable in this passage here this morning, then you're not saved like you think you are. I pray, I pray that you pay close attention to what about to be said here concerning children. We find, number one, children that are risen with Christ, saved and born again. I want you to notice the heart's desire. You know what the heart of desire for every children that knows Jesus is? Right here in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. The heart's desire for every child that's born again is that they, that they be well-pleasing unto the Lord. That's their desire. The desire of a little child is that I want to please the Lord. Whatever I say to mom and daddy, whatever I do, I want to please the Lord. However I tell them, whatever I say about them when they're not in the room, but I say to my siblings, I want to make sure that it pleases the Lord. Whatever I say at church or at to maybe a workplace or maybe at school about my mom and daddy, I just want to make sure that what I say pleases the Lord. And that is my own desire, my heart's desire is pleasing the Lord. It all counts what I do, what I say, how I live, where I go, what they tell me to do, how they tell me to do it. I just want to please the Lord. It's not even pleasing mom and daddy. It's not even making mom and daddy happy. Uh, that's not even in the mind. The mind is Jesus is my Savior. Christ is my Lord. He lives in me. I'm changed by the glory of God. I've been risen with Christ. And the only heart that I have is a heart's desire to please the Lord. Amen. That's if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved this morning, then your desire is not to please the Lord. And so this isn't for you, but get saved. We find number two, not only is it pleasing the Lord, what that means, well-pleasing is pleasing the Lord, but it means to be accepted by the Lord. To be well-pleasing to the Lord means, Lord, I want you to accept me in what I say and do for my parents. How I act, what I think, what I imagine, what goes on in my feelings and in my emotions, I want them to be accepted before the Lord. Amen. This ain't made up. This is the Word of God. This is a Christian home who has a father that's saved and a mother that's saved and the children that's saved and their heart's desire is to please God and be accepted of the Lord in their behavior and conduct in the home and outside the home. You judge whether you're saved or not. I'm just telling you what it looks like. We find also not only accepted the Lord, to please the Lord, but thirdly, to be agreeable with the Lord. To be well-pleasing with the Lord means to agree with Him. Whatever the Lord says that I live, I agree with Him. Whatever He tells me to do, I agree with Him. Whatever He tells me that I need to be, that's what I'll be. I agree with Him. That's what it means to be well-pleasing unto the Lord. Friend, if you're not going to argue with me, you're not going to argue with your family and your daddy and your mama. You're not going to come up against us. You're not going to rebel against us. You're not going to rebel against the Word of God. You're going to rebel against God Himself if you don't do that. Your, your problem is not your parents. Your problem is not your family. Your problem is not your life. Your problem is your heart with God. 
And Brian, if you're a children today, if you are a child today, your heart's desire must be to be well-pleasing unto the Lord or you're not a Christian at all. Number two, not your heart's desire, but I want you to notice your life's determination. Your life determination. What is the life determination for every child that's born again? Obey their parents. That's the life determination. Little children, children, big or little, are not perfect, just like parents are not perfect. We make a lot of mistakes, so do they. But the determination of every child, life's determination is I'm going to obey my parents. I may not always do that, but that's my determination. I get up in the morning, and my determination is I'm going to do what mom and daddy says. I'm going to go to bed at night, and I'm going to look back at my life for that day. And I'm going to say, boy, it was my determination to, to obey my mom and daddy. And when you feel out and you realize that you didn't do that, you go back to mom and daddy and say, mom and daddy, I'm sorry. I failed you. I failed God. I failed this family. I disobeyed you. I dishonored you. I disobeyed God. I dishonored God. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm not right with God. Now, can you imagine a child doing that? 17, 18, 20, 21, 5, 6, 7, 8. I'm talking about a Christian home. Do we have one? Are we just saying we've got one? Are we just act like we've got one? I mean, don't we need more Christian homes in America? Can you imagine if America homes were made up of these kind of people? Can you imagine that the homes were made of these kind of people and the churches were made up of these people? Wow, what a glory to God it would be. We find here understanding, understanding clearly that the child's life determination is to obey the parents. Number one, to place under their parents' authority. That's what it means to obey your parents is to place you under their authority. I don't care if your parents are right or wrong in your mind. When you obey your parents, it's because you place yourself under their authority. You don't go against their authority. You don't go against their leadership. You don't get, go against the position that God placed them in. You're a child. They're an adult. You shut up and do what they say. Amen. I thought everybody shout on that. You don't have no correction power. You ain't got no veto power. You don't have any power at all. The only authority you have to do is obey. That's the only authority you have. You say, Brother Larry, why are you being so strong? I'm being so strong because our children are rebellious and stubborn today. Our world is completely full with children who want to do what they want to do and when they want to do it and how they want to do it. I'm talking about 30-year-olds. I'm talking about 35-year-olds too. They don't want to obey God no more. They don't want to live under God's authority no more. They rebel against the police. They rebel against the, the spouse. They rebel against the the boss, they rebel against the cop. They rebel against all authority. We have a rebellious country. It all began in the home. Of not taking seriously what a child who's born again is, is one who has a determination 
to place themselves under the authority of their parents. Amen? I'm talking about Bible verses and Bible truth today. I know a lot of people say, Brother Larry, every time you talk, you give us your opinions. Now, this ain't no opinion here this morning. This is the word of God. That word obey means not only to place under their parents' authority, but it means to conform to the parents' commands. To conform to the parents' commands. Whether you like it or not. Whether you agree or not. Whether you're for it or not. Whether you really want to or not. Whether you feel like it's profitable or not. Whether like it, whether you are really in, into it or not. To obey your parents, friend, is to take what they say and conform to it. Amen. Conform to it. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, I don't know if you're saved or not, but if you're saved tonight, this morning, you're going to want to be just like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to be a man or a, a boy or a girl, a young man, a young woman. He's going to say, you know what? I'm saved, and, and I want to be exactly what God wants me to be, and I will place myself under their authority. I will conform to my parents' commands. Number three, I will listen to my parents' advice of instruction. While your parents are trying to talk to you, be quiet. You now, frustrating it is to try to talk to somebody who's talking. That's tough. Whenever your parents are talking, you be quiet. And whenever they say, okay, now you can talk, then you can talk. I'm talking about Christian children, though. You may not be one, so that's not you. Because when your mom and dad is trying to talk to you, you're interrupting them. Or when your mom and daddy's talking to somebody else, you come up and talk to them, and that's rude. Who do you think you are? You want to go home, or you're hungry, or you want to do this, you want to do that. No, you be quiet. When you get done, your parents will look over to you and say, yes, well, you need son, well, you need daughter. Then you can tell them. But until there, you sit there like a bump on a log. You sit there like a doorknob on a door. You just be still like a statue. If you don't want to wait, you just leave, but don't say nothing. Amen. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? I know it's uh, I know it's Christmas, and probably Christmas don't take this kind of stuff, but it does this day. Number four, what does it mean to obey your parents? It means to honor their parents' God-given position or place in their lives. To honor that. You got a mom and daddy, God put you there, and that's your mom and daddy. They're in the high position of your life. And that is one that God gave you, and you have to honor them. Regardless whether you think they're worthy of your honor, that wasn't in question. They're worthy of your respect, it's not in question. Well, you gotta you gotta deserve, you gotta earn my respect. That's a lie, the pits of hell. God said for you to respect and honor your parents. And friend, nobody has to say you have to earn it. You don't earn your respect. God gave you a command to honor your parents. That is to respect them. And that is regardless if they earn it or not. Amen. Now, if you're a Christian child, you'll say, Lord, I just want to be what you want to be well-pleasing unto you. I want to be agreeable and accountable to you. And so I will take the position of my mom and daddy. And they're not too hot. They're not too good. They're not too smart. But you gave them to me. 
uh, they, that's my mama and that's my daddy and they are in my parents and, and they're in my life and they're in a high position in my life and you place them there and so I will obey them because of what they hold and the position they hold. That's children who know God. Amen. I know this is tough stuff. Sometimes it's hard to swallow. But just take a big old bite. Swallow. Then take a breath. And well, if you do it like this, you'll find home that's full of peace and joy and laughter, comfort. Oh, it'd be a great place to live. Amen. That's what you want, don't you? Hey, listen, friend, I, I, I wanted children and, and a wife who wants to stay. <laughs> Not children who just want to leave. I can't wait till I get to 18 years old and I'm going to get out of this house. And the parents say, I'll be glad when you get 18 so you leave too. That's not the Christian home. The Christian home is this. Let me tell you what the Christian home is. The Christian home is mama. Be fit in the Lord. Daddy, be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents. And then at the right age of the children to find somebody, a, a male child, finding a female child. You with me on that? We're not for the, we're not for the other side. Male and female. When a male and female fall in love, a male and female get married. That's called marriage. Male and male is no marriage. Female, female is no marriage. No, none at all. When I accept that, we're against that, we'll stay, I go to jail over that. We're not accepting any of that. A male and a female fall in love. The male leaves his home with his wife, right? The female leaves a home with her husband. And then their life begins. They have children, and the process keeps on going. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. I feel in my heart that no child ought to leave a home. But if a child don't want to obey the God's word at the 18 age, get out. If you don't want to do what God wants you to do, you're going to bring hard, trouble, difficulty, problems in the home. You're going to teach everybody else in the home how not to live, how not to be, and how to be rotten in the home. Either get saved and born again and begin to obey God's word or find some other place to go. You're a corruption. Amen. That's the truth. And we find today all over the place at work, at church, and in my own family and different families today, uh, the children grow up, the 18, 19, 20 years old, they stay at home. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to do anything but stay up and lay up and take up mama's money and daddy's money and daddy's place and daddy's doings. And they become as what the world has taught them to be as a beggar. And our government today is not making it easy being a welfare society where the government owes them everything. The government owes them nothing. God owes them nothing and the parents owes them nothing. Oh, I know. You're probably thinking, boy, brother, you done got political. If I could really just say what I really mean, it'd probably run some people off. 
I'm so sick and tired of parents getting treated the way they get treated. I get my heart breaks when I hear children back talk and, and interrupt and don't do what the parents want. I get so tired of seeing parents come to the church with tears in their eyes and heart hurt on their face because the children will not obey their parents. I take it personal. It hurts me. It doesn't make me feel really good. My heart goes out to you parents. I pray for you. It's a tough day to raise children. But if you don't raise it like this word says, they're going to hurt you hard. You might hurt their backside today. And if you don't, they're going to hurt your heart one day. Number three, the parents, their parents' doings. Verse 21, the Bible says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know that every child of God that's in a child's ha that's in a home that's a children today, you know what their expectation is? That verse right there. Now, if you're a child and you can read, and you want to know what your mom and daddy, you can expect of a Christian home and a Christian mom and a Christian daddy, verse 21 is that expectation. That's a verse you ought to memorize, a verse you ought to look at, a verse you ought to pay attention to. Now, once you're obedient to verse 20, then you can take this acceptation to verse 21. Look what it says. It says, parents, that word, that word, I mean father, it says the word father, but it stands for parents. If you look up the Greek word, it's mother and father. Provoke not your children to anger, because the father's the leader, he's the responsible party. Their expectation from them is this. Don't cause discouragement in the home, parents. Your children are expecting to be encouraged, not discouraged. They can expect you not to be disheartening. Don't dishearten your children. They can expect you not to be dismaying. That's what that word there, discouraged, means, dismaying. Parents don't break their spirit to live for God. A lot of people say don't break their spirit because if you break their spirit or break their will, you know, then you're hurting the child. I don't believe in that, but I do believe that you're not to hurt the spirit for living for God. Don't let them hear you, watch you, and they look at you and say, if that's a Christian, then I don't want to be one. If that's what a Christian marriage is, mom and daddy fighting all the time, arguing all the time, never hugging each other, never kissing each other, never showing affection to each other, never going out and eating together, never just giving little gifts like a candy bar or a little rolls. I never see them say anything to each other, kind words, loving words, and I never see the daddy just go outside and build this, fix that, do that. Mama don't clean house. Mama don't do this. Mama don't do that. House is a wreck. It's a filthy mess. You know, don't show your children how not to be a Christian. Their expectation is that you'll not discourage them. Well, a Christian home something, ain't it? It might be different than the next door neighbor. It also means that your parents don't break their will to be all for God made them for. You know, your children, God made and has a plan for them. God didn't just bring them into the world to be just whatever they want. God has a plan for them. Don't mess the plan up. Don't push them into such a place and don't make them in such a way. Friend, when the plan of God isn't about their lives because of mistakes they've made. Because of the parents. Parents, don't uh, break their heart 
to go where God don't lead them or where God wants them to go. You know, the world discourages, people discourages, things discourages, but you know who shouldn't be discouragement in the, in the children's lives? Mom and Daddy. If there's ever a time when you need to be encouraged, it's mom and daddy. Right? Man, that's the place to go. Mom and daddy. I'm so discouraged. The world has done dumped on me. My friends have done left me. I mean, things are done went out. I'm so discouraged. Where do you go? Go to godly mama and godly daddy. And they'll bring us this. See, they can expect that. If you're a child and you live in a Christian home, that's what you can expect. Amen, parents? Puts pressure on us, don't it? We find here, and I'm, no, I'm, I'm hurrying because some of your eyes are closing. None of their expectation, but I notice their exemptions by them. The Bible says, provoke not your children to anger. Provoke not your children to anger. Teach them about the Bible. If you don't teach them about the Bible, you're going to provoke them to anger. Teach them about their roles as a man and as a woman. Right? We don't need public education teaching our children about sex. And we don't need no pole dancer that's a man looking like a woman getting up there in our schools and reading a story. I, 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 I got to stop on that because I can really go on from time. I know some of y'all about had it. To teach them about their responsibilities at work or at school, at jobs, at home, at church, at life. Nothing is free. Nothing is old. And nothing is easy. The greatest anger when a child gets old and put in a situation in response. And somebody tells them something. They say, you know what? Nobody home told me that. That provokes them to anger. Why didn't my daddy tell me that? Why didn't my mama teach me that? And they say, man, I wonder why. Mama didn't, daddy didn't teach me all that. And now they're angry. Come to mom and daddy, why didn't you teach me that? What were you doing for 18 years? I gave you 18 years of my life to teach me something. You taught me nothing. That brings anger, right? Provokes anger. The Bible says provoke not your children to anger. Papa didn't teach me these things. Why didn't I know this as a child? Why didn't I know this about life? Why didn't I know this about husband? Why didn't I know this about being a man, about being a woman? Why didn't I know this way I was supposed to act at church and at home and the way I was supposed to be there at school? They didn't teach me of that. The Christian home's mark or stamp, and I'm this I'm closing. The Christian home's die, called it, the die, that will be over your Christian home tonight. The Christian home mark or stamp. It may not be perfect because we're imperfect people. It may not be smart because we're not always just smart. And it may not be talented because we're not all skillful. But there in verse 23, 
is that die. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto man. That ought to be the die, the stamp. That ought to be the mark of your home. That everything I do as a mom and daddy, I will do with all my heart. And what I do as a child in my home, in my mom and daddy's home, I'll do it with all my heart. That ought to be your die. That ought to be your stamp. That ought to be this this morning the very mark of who you are. But I gave all my heart as a husband. Can you look to your wife today and say that? I have done everything for you with all my heart. Everything I've done for this home, for my children, for my family, everything I've done is all within my heart. Can you as a wife look your husband in the eyes and say, Honey, baby, or you might just call him by his name. Everything in this stuff I've done, I've done it with all my heart. I gave you everything. I have laid it out. I've not held back nothing. Can you go to your mom and daddy today as a child, whatever age you are, and you, can you go up to them and look them square in the face, eyeball to eyeball, and say, Mom and daddy, I have done everything I've done with all my heart. I've obeyed you. I did what was right. I've honored you. I've respected you. And everything, I'm telling you, I did it with my heart. Everything. I'm talking about a Christian home today. Do we have any? Do we have any? Do we have any this morning? The die of your home are to be whatever we do in this home, we're going to do with all our hearts. We're going to do everything I get. I did it for the Lord. I did it with the Lord, and I did it in the Lord. I'm not trying to please my spouse. I'm not trying to please my parents. I'm not trying to please my children. I'm trying to please the Lord. All my heart. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You need to come this evening to pray about whatever situation you find yourself in. I pray you'll come. Let's stand to our feet. If you need to come this morning or this evening, you come. Maybe you just need to come be saved because you think you're a Christian child, think you're a Christian mother, Christian father, Christian wife, Christian husband, but you don't. You found out you're not really one. I, I, you didn't describe me. Or maybe you are one and you're just cold and indifferent with God and you won't make that right. Won't you just grab your wife, grab your husband, say, let's just go to the altar I'll make that right with me today. How about you children? How about you young adult, young man, young woman? Don't you go to your parents today, right now. Grab them by the hand, bring them to the altar and say, let me, let me just tell you, I've really just been trouble in the home. I really just didn't do what God asked me to do. I'm sorry. How about you parents would grab your children and say, let's go to the altar and Let's just make these things right. Haven't all been all I need to be. Let's do that this, this evening. No better day to do that on Christmas. No better day. You come. We got time. We got time to get right with God. We, we got time to make our families right. We got time to get cleared up, make sin right, make wrong right. We got time. Come on, dear friend. Come on. Won't you come?
as you softly sing. What, what page are you going to sing, brother? 381. But it's not, it's not in our book. If you want to sing with Brother George, 381, you sing with him today. Others come. Let's do business with God. Let's get our homes right before the first of the year. Yes. Yes, sir.